0: Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here. My pronouns today are he, him. And with us this morning are Kayla Miskiv, uh, Mackenzie Shea, and Emila uh, the creators behind Fatbird Studios. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, did I pronounce your names correctly? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yep. Yes, you did. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Congratulations. Uh, so if each of you could just... Uh, Introduce yourself again um, and let us know what your pronouns are, and then I'll have some questions for you.
2: Uh hi, I'm Kayla. Uh she her. Cool. I'm Mackenzie.
3: I'm also known as Mish
1: and I use she her pronouns. I'm Amila and I also use she her
0: pronouns. Excellent. So we mentioned that you are the creators behind uh Fatbird Studios. Um Before we get into having y'all tell us a bit about that and the game that you're about to launch, uh, I wanted to know how did you all become or decide to become game designers and then uh, how did you and why did you decide to make a studio together? So we'll start with um, how did you decide or why did you decide to become game designers? Who would like to go first?
2: I think Kayla's ready. Okay, yeah, sure, (laughs) I can go. Well, you know how in the Hunger Games, they have game makers, where all the people in the room that are basically deciding what happens to the players. I kind of wanted to do that job, but game design is the closest that I can come to doing that job in the real world.
0: Yep, fair. Or politician, maybe.
2: (laughs) Okay, Mackenzie, you go. (laughs) Awesome. Um,
3: So for me, uh, it was... Well, first of all, just like a love of games, um, but also I have a brother who is both mentally uh, and physically uh, delayed, developed. He has um, a cognitive, a cognitive dis- disability, easy for me to say, um, and I would just love playing games with him, with him as a kid, and it was just something that like, really brought us closer together. So I always had that love of games that we really just carry over now into my career.
1: Yeah, I would say I kind of have a similar story. My brother's the one that introduced me to gaming. Um, So I really started with the PlayStation and still go with that. Um, I am the artist on the team. So I wanted to kind of work on on a job where I can combine my love of art and my love of video games. And you can go to school for that. (laughs) And you can go to school for game design.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they do have game design courses and things now, which is pretty Mm -hmm. wild. They didn't like... Yeah, that's it's pretty cool that that has become a thing.
2: Yeah, uh, Mish and I are both game design majors, and Amila is majoring in game art and animation.
0: That's so cool. Um, I think I think you might be the first people we've had on the show that have formal game design training. Oh, there might have been one a little while ago. Another Australian designer, but their their training was in um, in something to do with video game design, um, and didn't factor hugely into their role playing stuff. But it's still very cool that um, you're all like academically trained in <laughs> in this field. Um, when did you is when did you all decide to make a studio together? Did you do, and how did you meet?
3: Um, in terms of meeting, we all met we're all of course in the the same college um, so meeting was was the easy part of this um, quarant the the game we're making actually started um, with Kayla and I for a, a class project. Uh, it turned out to be so fun and I guess like good <laughs> um, that we're like we should continue this we should we should work on this over the summer and then we're like, you know who'll be great at this Amila so we, we Reached out to Amila and we're
1: like, "Hey, what do you think about tarot cards?" <laughs> and <laughs> me, I was like, "I love tarot cards." Um, and I didn't have many classes with Mish or Kayla. I got to know Mish a little bit uh, last year, so it's fun working with them and getting to know them some more. As we are a very like tight knit group now. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, part of the game concept started. Well, Mish and I were roommates last year, so I came up to her and i was like hey mish what if we made like a role-playing game but with tarot cards and so that's how that got started
0: (laughs) did you say that you came up with the idea last year
2: uh earlier in this year
0: ah that's pretty cool i've noticed that um interestingly a bunch of people it's have been having uh ideas for tarot rpgs lately um which is very cool. Like uh, I had an idea for one and then um, someone told me, oh, there's all these other tarot RPGs that people are working on. I saw, and I'm like, oh, well, at least it won't be as much of an ask for people to buy tarot cards now because there'll be other <laughs> games they can play with. them." Um, what, what influenced you all to um, what, what, what was it about the tarot cards that spoke to you as an interesting medium for game design?
3: Um, we, we were thinking about this uh, from a narrative perspective and how we all love like games like Dungeons and Dragons and like traditional role-playing games, but they were very like set in stone, like you roll a die and it's either a yes or no. We were drawn to tarot cards because they were a little bit more open-ended and because of that, they felt more personal. So they, you were able to tell a story based on your interpretation of the cards versus just uh,
1: this, is, this happens because it does.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Was there anything else about the cards that appealed to you as design medium?
1: Um, Well, I can sort of speak to this because I came onto the project a bit later, um, but as an artist, I've always wanted to work on an entire deck of tarot cards. Um, So when Mission Kayla approached me with this game, I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's definitely one of our stretch goals in the future to be able to do this, um, but that's what drew me to it. Um, And then as I worked with them more and the more I found out about the game, I really learned how important the narrative is and how awesome it is that you can kind of come up with your own world and make it your own just from this, these guidelines that tarot cards give you.
0: Yeah. Why not? Uh, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That covered it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I think that's really cool. Um, I'm just thinking if there's anything else directly related to those questions that I wanted to ask. Um, Okay, when you made your, when you made the decision to start your uh, design, your game design company, or organization collective, your studio is the word (laughs) I've been looking for, I realize, Um, did you have the mind of, we will start with this game and move on to making others, or was it, we'll use it for this game and then we'll decide whether we're going to make any more, like? How much of a commitment did you put into making um your little studio?
3: I can see okay. um, <laughs> currently I think we're just kind of like we're just gonna focus on this one game. We haven't really talked about like what's beyond this. We just keep having more and more plans for this. We're like, oh, this will go well. And then after this we'll have we'll have an expansion pack and we can go to this con and that con. Uh, so we haven't really thought about like
2: the What's after
3: Quarant? We were just kind of like, oh, Quarant could be
2: bigger.
0: Look, that's fine. Um, yeah, that...
2: we definitely have big plans for this game, and I think we'll just kind of wait and see what happens after.
0: Look, I think that's reasonable. Um, I think that that is a not. You're the first people we've interviewed where we're interviewing like an uh, entire studio. Um, in the past, it's interviewed individual designers, and I've asked them, do you have any plans after your Kickstarter? And they're like. Pretty much always the answer is, honestly, I'm just trying to get this Kickstarter finished. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so I think we might move into actually talking about your game now. So, um, I mean, we touched on it a little bit. First, I'd like to talk about what the general premise of your game is, which we've kind of already outlined a little bit, but still. And then... I'll ask you some specific questions about how your. Normally, I ask questions about like how your mechanics enforce your narrative themes and stuff like that, which I think you'll have fun answering, um, considering your focus on narrative. So, uh, why don't we start with how? What is the core pitch of your game? How do you how do you explain it to people um, quickly, or not quickly? Like we've got an hour, so <laughs> use the time as you wish.
1: Sure. Who would want to go, Kayla Mish? I can I can take it. I feel like I've been taking all the questions. Yeah. Um, basically, we want to make
3: a a role playing tabletop game uh, that uses a deck of tarot cards. So you can create your character through tarot cards and create the campaign, the the world, and you just use the tarot cards to build the story. So everything is much more personal to you as a player and also a DM.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So uh, where does that begin? If we were, if we, if we decided as a group that we wanted to play um, current, uh, where do we start? What is the first discussion we have?
1: I guess I would say the first place we would start um, to play Quarant is we are working on a guidebook, almost like a manual, um, and we're going to call it the Cartomancer's Tome. Um, and in this book, you will have all of the Kind of meanings to the cards and it also gives you instructions on how you would play the game um, so pretty much all you would need is a deck of tarot cards it could be any deck and then just our guidebook and you can use the guidebook to play querent or you can use the guidebook to add on to any tabletop games that you're playing currently uh, whether you want to make new characters with it or add some more interest to your storyline um, so it's really nice that Queren's versatile in that way where it can be its own game, but then you can also add it onto other games as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, especially if love the, the name you've given for the device, the the, the, the guidebook, the cardoman's Tome. It's pretty good.
1: <laughs> oh, good. We're glad you like it.
2: <laughs> I think one of the things that people would be interested to do first would be making a character, though. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, of course. So, how do you make a character, or or can you give us a small explanation of that, or 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 a large explanation? Again, we have an hour to use the time as you wish.
3: <laughs> sure. Um, so, we have different spreads, and spreads—a spread in a in a tarot term—is just a, a layout of cards, and every position has a different meaning based on what card is in it. Um, so, we have we've created a character personality spread, um, which we'll have different things like your character's inward trait, their goal, their strength, their flaw, their outward trait, and their secrets. Um, so we'd start off by by shuffling the deck of cards. You'd play them out in this order. Um, and the players would go through each card individually, uh, interpreting them through our guidebook and hopefully making connections between all the cards.
0: That sounds really cool, actually. Um, when you started outlining what the different positions mean, um, like the different traits and stuff um that's really interesting because it suggests you said that like your game can be plugged onto or connected onto other games to change the way you do character creation in those and that the way that the information that the cards give you there or what you're generating really speaks to that because there's nothing like oh this is your strength stat or whatever it's just like (laughs) this is your goal it's like what yes this is your secret. <laughs> what? Yeah, cool.
2: Oh, yeah, like yeah for example, you... one of my favorite cards that comes up in the secret uh, section is the lover's card, because that always means you have a secret lover and everyone always goes, ooh.
0: I mean, how could you not go, ooh, at that? Like, <laughs> you have a secret lover. That's pretty cool and interesting. And like, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of drama that you could build out of that. I'm very into this game already. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, Mish and I went to a local kind of game night, um, and we had two people who are into tabletop gaming go ahead and try out our personality spread. And um, they actually spent about 45 minutes going back and forth. They were getting really into their character, and Mish and I were just really, like, happy watching Mm -hmm. them because they're like, no, no, they should be like this, or they should be like this. Um, And they had a little bit of arguments here and there about how their character should be. But it was really exciting to see them get so into it um, and also to think about the type of universe this character could exist in. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty, like, amazing. Um, How do you... Do you have any guidelines for how to integrate that stuff into other games, or is it mostly just the fact that you're generating narrative information? Or does that make sense? Do you need me to refine my question?
3: (laughs) I I think I get what you mean. Um, We have... hmm. We like to think that, think of our spreads as tools you can use to incorporate either into uh, in the game or into anything else. So we have, I was like, we, I, can't, I can't speak today, can I? <laughs> um, we have our personality spread, which is to make characters. So you could say, oh, instead of uh, rolling dice to figure out who my character is and what they're like, I'm going to use tarot cards and I'm going to create this and I'm going to use that in... My Dungeons and Dragons game, I'm going to use it in LARPing. Um, or you as a, a GM can say, I need a bunch of NPCs, so I'm going to generate a whole bunch. And now they have secrets, they have motives, they have more in-depth personalities than just they have a scar on their face.
1: And to add to that, even uh, we're seeing authors interested in this. So if you are an author or a creative person, um, it, it doesn't even have to be games, anything that kind of involves character creation you can use this tool.
0: Do you have an example of how someone has done that?
1: Um, we did. Kayla um, We Kayla created like a play test group on Facebook, um, and we did have someone create a character on that. The author, uh, Rachel is her name, that used it, is going to release her character shortly. Um, she just kind of wanted to put it out there that she is using it. Um, I don't have that exact character on me, but Mish.
2: Mm-hmm. We will. We will pull it up. Of course. And the author's name for that is Rachel Brune.
1: Okay, hey, we are getting there.
0: It's all good. I can edit uh, the silence out pretty easily.
3: <laughs> no, just just keep it in. It'll make yeah. it make us seem like really professional.
0: Build suspense.
1: In fact, like extend it. <laughs> okay, so we have. Here's one example. Um. So I'll just read the, the little script that the person wrote about their character. Um, so it starts as, Alexandra was the daughter of a minor lord. She spends much of her life attending high society events, trying to charm everyone she met. Unbeknownst to her family, however, Alexandra is rather conflicted. The system of government that allows her to live her life is killing the common folk whom she also adores. Not wanting to cause a rift in her family or caste, she trusts her instincts that keeping silent is the best course of action. However peaceful her life of privilege is, um, it gets upset one night as she wakes from a dream and realizes she has become almost blind. Her parents think it is a simple physical ailment and that her eyesight will return in time. But Alexandra knows better. She remembers the dream she had that night, a dream that spoke of destiny and revelation. On that night, she gained the power of an oracle and her life will never be the same. Um, so the, this person put her in the class of an Oracle and also gave a little analysis about how they were worried, um, about these relationship based cards, but ended up being delighted by the results. Um, and we just thought it was really cool. And they also gave up, did another second character. Um, and it was just really exciting to read.
0: Did, did the, uh, did the class of the Oracle thing come from the, come from the tarot cards or?
1: They made that up. Okay,
0: cool. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if you had that kind of um, thing in the game, so that's. I mean, it sounds so good. What is um, what is the spread shape like for uh, your for your character creation spread? So, for those that don't know, my understanding of tarot is that there are different um, spread configurations like um, I think there's one called like a Celtic cross or something, which is like mm-hmm. three by three cross thing and then there's a line of three cards down one side as well. Um, what is the basic shape of your character creation spread?
3: The basic shape um, Well it starts at the top with your
0: inward trait so
3: pretty much what represents you as a person uh, like at your very core. right below that is your goal. Um, so you can think about if, it's, if it starts with your head, it then goes to your heart. Then I mean, we have on either side of, of goal, we have your strength and flaws, so they're contrasting. And below those and still on either side is your outward trait, so what you would show to the world, and your secret, so what you hide from the world. So we're trying to have a bit of duality, but also a bit of like structure to it.
0: Cool. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like an inverted Y shape.
3: Yeah, you know I, mean? I would say that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was trying to think of the technical name for that geometric shape, but it wasn't coming to me, unfortunately. It's kind of like, um, it's almost like a lambda, but it's more rigid. Um, so I think next might be interesting to talk about, you mentioned that this can also be used for, gener- for generating settings and campaigns. So I'd be interested in first hearing about how you generate settings using this and what the tools look like for that.
3: Yeah, so we actually have um, two more spreads. Uh, one of them is our story outline spread. So it's one that's made to be used by the GM um, to go through and basically figure out who the characters are in the world as well as the setting. Um, so while we, we keep it open ended for the for the the, the the GM to figure out where they are, like is it cold? Is it warm? Is it a fantasy world? A sci fi world? We have a, we have different positions to be like, what's going on? So what is the big conflict that the, the heroes are going to go out to solve? Who's the antagonist, or what's the antagonist? And the hero's relationship to the world.
0: Yeah, that sounds so cool. Um, so how many cards are in that spread?
3: I believe it's
2: 14.
0: I'm sorry, 14?
2: 14, yes.
0: Wow, okay. That is <laughs> wild.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a pretty heavy-duty spread.
0: So you get a lot of information out of that, then, with the, um, with the story outline through spread then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, that's, that's so wild. Um, my goodness, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so then what is, what is the other spread? Because you said you have two spreads, two editions.
3: Our, our last spread is uh, the Heroes Journey spread. So it's meant to, uh, our idea hopefully is that it will be played with the entire table. So you flip over one card uh, at a time as you're playing the game. Uh, and it just it follows the steps of um, the of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey.
0: Excellent. Would you be able to tell us more about that for listeners that may not be familiar with that particular uh, story tool?
3: Yeah. Uh, so the hero's journey is a is an idea by Joseph Campbell who wrote a book called uh, *The Hero with a Thousand Faces*, um, and it's basically an outline of how all stories go. Uh, so it starts off with the hero the protagonist is in an ordinary world and as they go on their journey they they have a call to adventure uh, which says hey go on this this quest go on this mission go into the the
1: extraordinary
3: world um, which they eventually do by crossing a threshold they go through they go through many like tasks they meet allies they meet enemies um, and it comes down to a big climax in the end where they have to overcome that, learn something, and then finally return to the ordinary world again. And it's one beautiful big circle, which looks lovely in, in a tarot spread.
0: My goodness, I can just imagine. How many cards are in that spread?
3: That is actually also 14 cards.
0: Okay, okay. How common is, um, is a 14-card spread in traditional tarot things?
3: Um, it's not I, – I wouldn't say it's uncommon, um, I would say the mostly I see three card spreads, but that's because they're they're quick and to the point. Um, but from what I've seen, tarot spreads can be any number of cards.
0: Okay, fair. I'm not that familiar with tarot, um, so I am always trying to improve my knowledge of it. <laughs> Mish uh, is
1: our in house witch, <laughs> um, so any witchy tarot questions you have, send them her way.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I am collecting individuals like that, Uh, so uh, I will be sure to shoot you some game design questions in the future. Um, So I guess my next question is, I guess my next question is, what does your Kickstarter look like for this project? Um, So... um, how much of your game is already written, um, and how much of your product is ready to roll? And then, what are some of the stretch goals that you're uh, that you have planned, if you have stretch goals at all, because they're not mandatory, um, for your Kickstarter, and and what you have planned for your Kickstarter campaign?
2: Uh, I can take this one. Okay, so uh, for our Kickstarter, th- what we mainly want to do is. Uh, fund the creation of our core book and we want our core book to contain the three spreads that we've been talking about the personality uh, spread the world or plot outline spread and the hero's journey spread so we want our book to contain those three things uh, for stretch goals we have a background spread which dives really deep into char- into your character's background uh, we have a map spread which could generate a map for the game. Um, What else? Oh yeah, Uh, one of our really big stretch goals, which I'm not sure if we'll get to this time, is um, a tarot deck from Amila. And I know we also want to put together some tarot reference documents too. I think that's... Did I get them all? Yeah, Yeah, I think you did. Okay. I've been the one working on the Kickstarter page, so...
0: Look, it sounds really cool. And some of those additional spreads, like a map making spread, sounds pretty wild. (laughs) Um, Yeah, wow. Um, I'm trying to think what else I want to ask. So you mentioned that there is, you mentioned that it is a role playing game in its own, on its own, as well as being a thing you can use to uh, enhance other games. What kind of narratives do you see uh, Quarant as being really good at playing on its own and playing out?
3: Actually, that's an interesting question. Um, we found that it works pretty much for any story because the cards are so open-ended. So we've had people, most of the time when they create a character or a story or whatever, they're thinking, oh, this is a fantasy setting. This is a traditional, like, like Lord of the Rings, Skyrim, uh, D&D type thing. And then I say... Try, try looking at that again, but now you're in a sci-fi world. And they go through, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I wasn't even thinking that this works so well." And yeah, we're really happy about that. That it's so open-ended, but also so, I guess, specific that it can work for anything and have similar narratives, but in completely
1: different worlds.
0: And yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. no, 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 you go.
1: Um, I was going to say I would agree. Um, we've had a lot of ideas of how to use this, and you can use it in a fantasy setting, like Mish said, sci-fi, or you could even be like a group of high school kids mm-hmm. trying to solve like a murder in town, or it could be even present day right now. Um, it's really very versatile.
2: And we did recently have this used in a sci-fi sort of campaign, which is um, oh geez, I lost words, um, which is by one of the people, uh, Ryan, of Rag Nerd Rock, um, who actually introduced me to Ray. Uh, he used yeah. it to, He used it for a, uh, what was the game called? I don't remember. Did but he say he it? it Sorry, you go. Yeah, but he used it to generate the personality for a sort of pre-made character, which was really interesting.
0: Did you, so we've worked with Ryan before, and in fact I've had him on our show, and we've been on theirs a few times. Actually, no, once. I've only been on their show once. Um, but uh, do you know whether they used that in an actual play?
2: They used it um, in one of their sessions that they give to their Patreon backers, like the. Ah,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, I definitely hope that we get to see at some point um, some actual play stuff featuring Quarant. I know that I have uh, some interest in using that in the future. Um, so if I do do one, I'll let you know. Cool, that
2: that would be really great.
0: Um, when, when you play Quarant as an RPG on its own, it, is the, is the play going through that, um, Hero's Journey spread, is that how you play it as a role-playing game on its own? Uh, I guess my real question is, what does, what does the play of Quarant look like in the role-playing game part, once you've made your characters and your cool world?
3: Yeah, so once um, once the characters are made and the world is created, uh, it's really important for the the GM to know where the story is, is going so they can lead it in that direction. And then as a group, everybody turns over the steps of the hero's journey. So they, they have to live out their lives in the ordinary world and then go through and get their call to adventure. Uh, so it's a little bit like, okay, we just did this. Now what happens next? Like, what is the result of that? Um, so, of course, the GM has to, be, has to make sure everything fits into the overall storyline of it. Um, but the hero's journey makes it feel like, oh, anything could happen right now.
1: And it's more of a narrative experience for you and your group of friends to just kind of get together and, you know, go into your own little world and just kind of hang out and talk. There's not really any battling unless you're you make your game into that or your journey into that, but it's really just truly about the narrative experience and taking the cards um, and seeing what's lined up for you and your characters.
2: It's it's like a more structured version of you know playing pretend on the playground like when you're a kid. It's kind of <laughs> like that.
0: Look, it's I actually think that sounds really cool because it's it it adds actually a lot of unique a, a very unique. Um, a very unique uh, narrative feel to your game that sets it apart from a lot of others. Um, there's not a lot of, we have laid out the structure of this piece already, and now we're going to see that unfold. Um, I think that that's really cool, actually. Uh, and it reminds me a lot of, there's a few RPGs that have, that are like, you play. You can only really play it once, uh, and you're seeing. Oh well, and you can not that you can only play it once, but it's like it's like a scripted event, and it has like one way to be played, and you're playing that out, and then you're sort of just. And the thing that changes each time is how the details are filled in, but the overall narrative is the same. Your game has an aspect of that, except that the narrative can change each time, and the narrative points that you hit can change each time by putting in by getting the different cards. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting. And I'm very excited to see how that plays out in uh, in actual play. So, I don't know. Those are my thoughts.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. That makes this feel so good. <laughs> Mish and I are over here just We're like, like yeah! very giddy. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, cool. Um, I guess my other my, – my next question now would be what uh, – what do you envision as the life for uh, Quarant? Like, assume your Kickstarter is wildly successful. Um, what would be the next thing after you've got the game out and you've got it all published and it's in people's hands and they're enjoying playing it? Now, I know that's a pretty wild um, position to try and ask yourselves to imagine because you're mm-hmm. like, we just need to get the Kickstarter done. But we'll see how we go. Uh, yeah, so I we'll, know. First... Yeah. Personally, I'd
2: really like to be able to take this to more conventions just to get it in more people's hands because it's really something that once people start playing it, they sort of get it and you can kind of see it light up, um, like see their faces light up as they start to get into it. And I really want to be able to see more of that and bring it to more people.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's really exciting. Uh, just watching people get into it. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to end up having two Kickstarters. Um, Yeah. So this first one is mainly just for our core book. Um, And then we'd be hoping to have a second one that kind of has all of the pieces because we're Mm -hmm. working on a lot of different things along with working on the book. So we'd like to be able to ship everything in one final package uh, with our second Kickstarter.
2: Oh, we haven't talked about our playmat yet, have we? We have we haven't. not. Ooh. You
0: have a playmat? Tell there us There is more. a
1: playmat. Um, so we had this, we, we've taken our game to QA a lot, and one of our mm-hmm. testers uh, mentioned it'd be really cool to have a playmat. And then we started thinking, like, ooh, what could it look like? And Kayla and I took a field trip to a fabric store, and we mm-hmm. found some lovely faux suede, and we threw that bad boy in the laser engraver and engraved some really cool things on it. Um, so we have, have this... a
0: laser engraver?
1: We have access to a laser engraver. <laughs> the <laughs> benefits of being a student. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a really cool playmat, pretty large, about 32 by 20 inches. And this playmat is specifically for the personality spread. So it has the little kind of... I wouldn't know how to call it. These like rectangles that are decorated, where you can place your cards, and it has a really nice border and some illustrations on it, just to kind of help set the your physical environment up so you can enjoy the game a little bit more. Um, so we'd like to kind of go into distributing those too in the future,
2: and seeing if there's other designs with like others sp- with our other spreads that we could possibly yeah, incorporate.
0: That'd be wild. Um, it very much reminds me of like. I mean, they have that stuff for Magic as well, Um, Magic the Gathering. So I think that's very on brand and definitely um, the cool thing about that is as a product is that you're not asking people to understand something new. For the most part, that is a thing that people will be familiar with vaguely, Um, even if they've just watched Yu-Gi-Oh! Because they have those arm things, (laughs) right? What were the dimensions of the playman again? 32 by 22? Uh
1: yeah, 32 by 20
2: inches.
0: 32 by 20 inches. That's a big play mat. I'm, I've got my measuring tape out now in front of me because my sewing kit's next to my table.
2: <laughs>
1: That's huge.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. nice because
1: tarot, tarot cards are generally a little bit larger. Uh, so I'm going off of like a 3 by 5 inch card. Um, So we needed a lot of space to lay them out in that personality spread. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. It's just, that's larger than my monitor. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, though. It's a cool product.
2: Ideally, we'd like to be able to sell our game as the core book with with our expansions and a playmat and a deck of tarot cards, all with illustrations that Amila has done.
1: Yeah, that's like super, super stretch
0: goal in the future for us. Yeah, cool. I like it. Um, yeah, that's really wild. Um, have you have you got a chance to go to Metatopia?
1: Oh no! What is this?
0: Metatopia is like a board game, RPG, and tabletop, and and I think also LARP. Um, convention, but it is unlike a lot of the other gaming conventions in the RPG and tabletop industry in general um, it is primarily focused on game designers and I think you can only attend if you're a game designer like if you attend, you have to bring a game to test (laughs) Um, you can't just attend as a person that wants to play a bunch of games, you have to play test a game of yours there, I'm pretty sure um and I think I think it might be on the east coast of America. I want to say it's in New York, but I'm not 100% sure. Um uh I know that a few other people have um I know a few other game designers that have gone to it. Um I'm just trying to find out where it is held. It's held in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
0: We love Jersey. Oh Well, last year's (laughs) one was held in New Jersey. Uh, So, there you go. Um, Yeah, I think that that would probably be a pretty good good place to take your game, like, to a con. Although, I guess by the time the next one starts, you'll probably... You probably won't be playtesting Quarant so much as you'll be having a finished product. But, you know, still, an interesting convention. I know that if I was in the United States, it'd be one that I'd try to get to. Um, you yeah, definitely, also, definitely
1: gonna have to research that one. Thank you. Yeah,
0: as a designer, I think it's perhaps even more useful than going to Gen Con, for example. I um, mm. no, don't know if you're familiar with Gen Con.
2: Uh, Yeah, that one's like huge, isn't
0: it? Yeah, so that's like the one of the oldest RPG conventions, um, and it's held in the middle of your country somewhere. (laughs) The middle of nowhere. I want to say
2: like Ohio or something.
0: No, I want to. I think it might be India I think it's in Indianapolis.
2: Yeah, I think it. I think it was this year. Which I
0: realize is a city, not a state. (laughs) Close enough. It's over there somewhere. (laughs) Um, It's one of those. uh, It's one of those things that's very hard for. It's apparently it's very well situated if you live in the United States to get to because it's like very easy to get to that from the majority of the contiguous United States but if you live anywhere else it's very hard to get to. Even for people from Canada apparently it's very hard to get to. Hmm. Um I'm not quite sure why that is but I know that if I if I know that if I wanted to get there it's like three airplane flights flight from oh, Sydney Sydney to LA LA to Chicago or LA to an, an, or L.A. to Atlanta <laughs> and then like, and then try and get to Indianapolis by bus, I guess. <laughs> I think there was one ludicrously expensive flight that was like, <laughs> um, Sydney to Texas or something somewhere <laughs> in Texas. And then, and then, a, and then a plane, but it was like double the cost of going to, uh, flying to LA. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, I, th- I, I really hope that you get to take it to some conventions, some, some larger conventions and things, because I think that there are some people that would really love to take a look at that game. Um, and I think that you're going to be in good company in terms of tarot RPGs. Um, is there anything else that you all wanted to share about uh, Quarant, or perhaps what you have planned for the future, other design work you might be doing related to games?
1: Actually, speaking of conventions, um, we will be attending one in, mm-hmm. in our state of Vermont. Uh, so it's in Killington, and it's called Carnage Con. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our local um, our local big convention, and apparently a lot of people from out of state, to too. So it'll be a fun new experience for us to attend it.
0: I have a representative in Connecticut who I may send on my behalf. Oh, you should. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Yeah, cool. Um, when, what month is that in?
1: It's in November. Um, November 2nd to the 4th, I believe. Cool.
0: So definitely, if you're listening to this before November 10th <laughs> <or> whatever, <laughs> or, uh, in, uh, in 2018, this, there's a chance you could go to this... <laughs> go to this con and see this gameplay and maybe get a chance to play it um fantastic so i believe as of the publishing of this interview your kickstarter is going on right now um Uh, and hope yeah
2: oh right never mind
0: (laughs) (laughs) as of the publishing of this of this interview your kickstarter should be going on right now um (laughs) Not necessarily as of time of recording. I hope that it's going very well. And I'm sure that you've already got your minimum funding. Um, we can only hope. Um, but if you want to know more about um, Quarant or uh, Fat third Studios, um, go check out their Kickstarter. There is a link to that down below, both on SoundCloud and on the main website page. Um, if people want to find out more information about your game... Um, or other work that you're doing, where can they find that?
1: They can find information on our website which is quarantgame.com. We also have three social media accounts. We've got a Facebook, Instagram, and a Twitter, all with the same handle which is quarantgame. so everything is the same and easy. You could probably also just Google us. Hopefully we'll be number one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Fantastic. It was such a pleasure to have uh, all three of you on uh, talking about your game, and I'm actually really excited to play Quarant, and I think I'm going to use it in a playtest of my mecha RPG because I think that your your setting generation stuff would be really interesting to uh, to create a setting uh, or, or the motivations for, for, the, for the mecha wars using that uh, in a game. Um, so that would be very cool, uh, and I'll let you know when I do that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. If you enjoyed listening to this interview, we have other interviews on our main website. You can click on the interviews category at the top of the page, the interviews category next to this article or next to this post rather, or you can click on the interview tag in the tag section, uh, where you can find interviews from all kinds of game designers, um, board game designers, RPG designers. Uh, we even have an interview. My second interview I ever did was with uh, game designers of a pub trivia. Uh, so you can check that out down below. Um, and hopefully we'll have more interviews about uh, about this kind of stuff uh, in the future. Um, but for now, uh, I want to thank you all for being here uh, and thank you all for listening um, and let us know what you thought down below. Uh, but other than that, Farewell from the past. I'm Ray.